and another uh, preacher friend boarded a plane and went to Cuba uh, on a missions trip and we were taking in School of Christ uh, materials and junk drives uh, to pastors that were there in Cuba and we were working with the uh, National Bishop of the Church of God who was over all of the Church of God churches in Cuba and uh, just I tried to get back down there pre-COVID and, and couldn't do it and um, actually that was three years ago not two years ago but couldn't get down there COVID hit they were shut down um, during the, the midst of COVID we were able to get them some relief and get food to pastors but I've been praying for years for about two and a half years for God to open the door to get back down and every time I think that I would make progress the, it, just the door would the door would shut and this uh, the guy that I was working with uh, as the national bishop, he had served in that office for 12 years and due to limitations within the church of God, he had to step down out of office. So there's another uh, brother that's, that's over the church of God. But uh, I'd been messaging with him back and forth frequently and uh, all of a sudden communication just stopped and I was worried about him. So I reached out to his daughter and his son-in-law and uh, they are in the, the office as the national youth directors over Cuba for the Church of God. And I just reached out and I said, how's Pastor Morales? And I've been worried about him. And uh, she just began to open up to me and told me how, how bad it was economically there. And uh, I told him, I said, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I can send money all over the world through Western Union and to different places, but I can't to Cuba because of the, the trade embargo. I have to send it to somebody in a, another country who then in turns gets it back down to them and um, it's, it's just a nightmare to try to get them help but uh, I said I don't know how I'm going to do it but uh, we're going to get you help and I started thinking we're going to send them some money to to provide a, immediate help as soon as we can get a, a way to do so uh, but a loaf of bread in Cuba will cost you about 10 US dollars the average Cuban makes $2.36 a week, which means it will take almost an entire month's salary to get a loaf of bread if they can even get it. Most are eating rice and beans, and that's, that's just a common staple. It's what they have. Uh, there's a severe gas shortage, so I said, we're going to get you help. I said, but let me share my heart with you. I said, uh, when we were down, we went to a, a national youth convention, one of the services, and I said, ever since I went, I said, my heart has been burdened uh, for the youth of Cuba. And I prayed for them day in, day after day after day, and um, just at night, I'd, I'd lay down and, and sleep, and I'd dream of being in service with those Cubans. And uh, when we were there originally, they stayed in the altars praying to 4 o'clock in the morning. And I'm not talking about caught up in emotionalism and um, hyperactivity. It was just weeping and wailing and crying out to God on behalf of their nation. The reason why they shut it down at 4 o'clock, they told them, you've got to go back to the dorms because at 5 o'clock they had to get in buses to go back to. Uh, some had to go all over the island and the first bus was getting them at 5 o'clock in the morning. Just a hunger there amongst the people. And I said, my, my heart is to to get the, the youth to back together and to do a national assembly if possible. And she started crying on the other end. We, we communicate via WhatsApp and do voice messages back and forth. You can't do phone calls anymore. Um, but uh, she, she, her voice started cracking in her message and she started praying and she said, you wouldn't believe this. Um, but she said, yesterday morning I was praying and I was so burdened for our young people and uh, praying for the National uh, Assembly to somehow get it back together. And uh, she said, I asked God, who is it that I need to reach out to that has your heart? And uh, she said, God told her specifically in prayer, don't you reach out to anybody. I'm going to send you the man. And uh, the next morning she was praying and uh, she was praying the same thing, Lord, what do you want me to do? God said, you don't do anything. Wait on me. I'm going to send you the man. And that afternoon, I reached out to her, and that was when I started sharing my heart. And she started breaking down crying. She said, you are the man. 
and uh, we have we begin working, communicating. Long story short, prayer after prayer is being answered. I've tried for two and a half years to get a religious visa to go back and never been able to get it. When the bishop uh, stepped out of the, the national overseer position of the Church of God, he was appointed to a religious council um, in Cuba. And one of the things that he has pull on is granting religious visas. <laughs> So uh, I'm sending him information this week. He's going to be in Havana on September the 1st working to get myself. Brother Harold Hanks is going to be going with us, going to be getting his visas. We're going to be taking them down some humanitarian aid. Prayer number three, three years ago, if I tried to take them humanitarian aid, I would have been stopped at the, the airport. Now, because of the economic crisis, they're asking for um Foreign foreigners to, to come and to bring aid. So what I couldn't bring three years ago, we're going to be able to get in and get them help. Direct flight. I, you know, previously it was a long, drawn-out process to just get to where they were. We had to fly into Santa Clara, Cuba, and still had about a 10-hour drive ahead of us to get to where we needed to be. American Airlines just opened up a direct flight to Santiago de Cuba, which is the city where they're at. And so just, just all the things, all the way down to um, just, just the smallest details. And, you know, I'm, I've roughed it on mission trips. I, can, I love AC. I need AC. But, you know, I've, I can sacrifice for the gospel's sake, but I sleep with a CPAP. And uh, I said, man, I don't know how that's going to work with not having electricity. I said, Lord, I don't. I'm not a softy, but I need you to open it up the door because they only have electricity eight hours a day, and that's during the day. At night, they shut it off. Uh, the government does. And the pastor told me, they said, um, don't worry. He said, I know you're worried about electricity. And I, I didn't say anything to him. He said, don't worry. He said, we're going to be putting you up in a government. Uh, they have a government official that goes to their church. He said, we're going to be putting you up in their house. And he said, while we don't have power, the government people have power 24 hours a day. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. <laughs> but all the way down, just to, to the minor detail, it just seems like God has just opened it. When, when God opens a door, He opens a door that no man can open. And uh, what I've been waiting on for two and a half years, in, literally in 24 hours, answer after answer after answer came in. And so... I don't know what God has in store. I have no clue. We're going to be, uh, Brother Hanks and I, trying to organize the National Assembly to get the young people in Cuba back together again. Uh, just, uh, I, I don't know what God has in store. I do know this. They're in political turmoil right now. In Cuba, they're in economic turmoil. Uh, but politics is not the answer. A new economic plan is not the answer. And I was talking... You know, Bishop Morales sent me a message. We were talking this afternoon. And uh, every day, 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, somebody is in his church praying. And uh, it is just this is known as a church of prayer. They have Friday night, all-night prayer meetings. Their entire church comes and gathers and prays all night on Friday nights, just hungry for God. And uh, he, he told me today, he said, I know the answer for Cuba is revival. And he said, I'm, I'm going to be praying for revival to come with you, for you to bring revival. And I said, just humbled, I said, brother, revival's not going to come with me. Amen. I don't bring revival. But I tell you, I will be praying for God to light revival fire and for the winds of revival to begin to blow. So I want you to be in prayer with me and help me pray about this. There's a list of supplies that they need. Uh, we're going to be working on that to try to get them what they need, um, possibly working on some solar power, solar panels, um, some wind generators that, they, that we can uh, purchase for them. So there's a lot of opportunities there, but most of all, be praying for God to send revival. Amen. I, that, that's what my heart's desire is. And uh, it was just in that vein last night I came into church and I, I knelt down to, to pray and literally... I had a million things in my mind running through it that I needed to pray about. But I could only get two words out of my mouth, and that was thank you. Just thanking God, loving on God, praising God. And 
Uh, it was one of those rare prayer times where I, I, I had a lot of stuff I needed to pray for, but I didn't get past worship. Just worshiping and loving on the Lord. And it was in that vein and in that spirit that uh, the Lord led me to these passages of Scripture tonight that I'm going to preach from. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to turn with us to Luke chapter number 17. While you're turning there, don't forget the youth outing that's going to be this Saturday night, Sister Darlene's house, 5 o'clock. So all of you young people would love to see you there. Uh, bring your friends, bring your neighbors, bring your classmates, bring your enemies, bring everybody. Amen. We want to love on them and uh, just want to have a great time of fellowship for our young people. Let them know that we love them and uh, we are here to, to support them. We don't have a lot of young people, but I, I've said it all the times. The ones that we do have is worth investing in. And uh, they're not the church of tomorrow. They're the church of today. And so women's meeting this Friday night. Sister Taylor, what time? Six o'clock at Sister Taylor's house. Uh, any lady that would uh, like to come, um, you are invited. It's going to be a great time of food, fellowship. Um, don't know what all they do at the ladies' meetings. I've never been to one. But if you want to know when you're interested, ask a lady and they'll tell you. <laughs> no, our men's meetings are, are awesome when we have those. And uh, we'll be having another one of those in the upcoming weeks. Men, we'd love to see you there once that time and place is announced. Uh, but Luke chapter number 17, we're going to begin our reading with verse number 11. And uh, read down through verse number 19. It reads as this, And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Notice they couldn't call Him Lord. They couldn't call Him Savior. They called Him Master. Said, have mercy on us. And when He saw them, He said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice, he glorified God. And he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were, not, or were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way. Thy faith made thee whole. I want to preach to the Lord to help us. Um, I really don't have a title for this. If I were to title the message, I guess I'd title it, A Thankful Heart. A Thankful Heart. If you will, stretch forth your hands this way and ask God to touch us and anoint us tonight. Father, we love you. We are so thankful for the privilege that we have to come and to be in your house. Thank you for the bread of life that was just broken before us tonight. Oh God, may your word fill and satisfy every longing in our heart and in our life. God, fill every void in us that only you can fill. I pray that you would add your blessings to the reading of the word of God. Anoint us now afresh and anew. And we're going to give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church says amen. 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 There was one sister here that told me, said last time we were here, said, uh, your preaching was so hot, I think that we could have roasted marshmallows. <laughs> Something along those lines. And uh, I don't know how hot and how fiery it'll be tonight. But uh, I can tell you the Lord has spoken unto us. And we want you to come back. If you can, come back next week. Our pastor, Brother Eddie, is going to be with us. Uh, be back home every time you've come. He's been out preaching. But he's the, he's the preacher. I just try to keep it afloat till he gets back. But uh, come and, and be with us if you can next Wednesday night. We'd love to have you. We're going to preach on a thankful heart. And I want you to notice the miracle that transpired in our text. The Bible was very clear and very plain as to what the, the situation was. In Luke chapter number 17, the Bible says in, in verse number 12 that he entered into a certain village and there met him ten men that were lepers which stood afar off. Now we know that leprosy was uh, 
from through all throughout the Bible. It was a plague that uh, was transmissible from human to human, very contagious, and the effects of leprosy were horrendous. Uh, the, the, the leprosy would start off very small. It was a skin condition, and it may appear like a, a little white freckle, but leprosy, if it went unchecked, and it went untreated, there, there was no cure for leprosy, but if uh, that leprosy had its way, it would begin to spread, and it would begin to grow, and it would eat away at the flesh of the individual that, that contracted leprosy. It would literally eat away fingers. It would eat away ears and in, in, in the nose and it would spread all over the body and it was a, a horrendous deadly disease and leprosy as it spread the ultimate uh, state of leprosy was death it was a nearly a death sentence in bible days if a man was to contract leprosy and so if there was a man that was a leper, it was actually in the law that God gave unto Moses that if a man or a woman was to contract leprosy, that they were to be put outside the camp, meaning they were to be cast outside the city until either one, the leprosy was healed and then they were able to go back and show themselves to the priest and, and prove that they were cleansed and that leprosy was no longer an issue or two. Uh, the leprosy would kill the individual. And because it was so transmissible, that was the commandment that God gave them to, to not stay in the city, to not stay in the house, to not stay with family, but to be cast outside of the city, to be cast outside of the wall. And the Bible tells us that that is the condition of these ten men. He entered into a certain village, and the lepers, when they saw him, they stood a far ways off. They couldn't get close to him. There was a certain amount of, uh, of distance that they had to keep between them that were unclean and between the clean. And so as we look at leprosy and we see what it is in the natural, we can also see some stark connotations and similarities to that of sin. You see, sin, uh, leprosy is a visual representation in the physical of what sin is in the spiritual. Amen. Because you see the Bible says that when lust is conceived. It bringeth forth sin. And when sin is finished. It bringeth forth death. Sin may start out small like leprosy. It may go uh, small and you, and you might can hide it for quite some time. And nobody ever know that you've got leprosy. You might be able to put a bandage over it. Or you might be able to. To hide your, if you got it on your hand, hide it in your pocket to where nobody can see what you got. But sooner or later, that little tiny uh, freckle is going to begin to spread. It's going to begin to spread and it's going to take over. And what starts out small is always going to grow larger and bigger. And we know that sin, like leprosy, it eats away at the individual. Leprosy eats away. Ditches and fingers and toes and ears. Uh, I can tell you sin eats away the heart, the life uh, of that individual. Uh, so leprosy is excruciatingly painful uh, to, to contract that. You can just imagine the pain uh, as nerves and ligaments and tissue is being eaten. And, 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 and it just uh, rots on the bone. Uh, I can tell you sin is excruciatingly painful. Uh, Amen. It, it causes awful pain in the lives of an individual. There's many a broken people tonight. Amen. That is, is broken. Their life is shattered in a million pieces because of small sin that went unchecked. That grew. And, and, and all of the pain that results. Leprosy separated. Loved one from loved one. Husband from wife. Father from children. I can tell you sin is a dividing wedge between you and those that you love. Sin will make you do some crazy things. Amen. It'll make you hurt those that you never in a million years thought that you would hurt. And lastly, leprosy kills. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. There is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Notice that all ten of these men suffered the same condition. You see, leprosy, amen, it was transmissible. These men all dealt with the same aspect. There were ten men. 
The Bible says that the, that uh, had leprosy and all ten of them were in the same state. This was a universal problem for those ten men. I can tell you sin is a universal problem for every woman, man, boy, or girl. Amen. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Amen. That all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Amen. These men were suffering with a disease in which there was no cure. They were outcasts. They were dead men walking until they found the cure. Until they found the remedy. Amen. They were in this horrible condition until Jesus showed up. Oh, hallelujah. And with sin, there is no cure in this world. You can't counsel sin. You can't try to rehabilitate sin. You can't do anything to try to better sin. There is only one cure. And it's the same cure that these ten lepers found. It's the same cure for us tonight. His name is J-E-S-U-S. And He is still mighty to save. Hallelujah. He is the universal remedy for leprosy. He is the universal remedy for sin. The miracle that transpired. This in the, 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 the natural was the miracle of being cured from an incurable disease. But spiritually speaking, the miracle that transpires here is a visual representation of salvation, of being born again, of being brought from death back unto life. We preached about that not too long ago. I mean, what it means to truly be born again. And so we notice the miracle in Luke 17. But now I want us to notice the response to the miracle. I, I want to I wanted to look at how the miracle transpired. The Bible says that when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves unto the priest. When he saw the ten lepers, his immediate response was go show yourself to the priest. He didn't touch them. He didn't lay hands on them. He didn't uh, 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 try to give them a, a program to say, hey, you got to do all of these steps. He just immediately said, go show yourself to the priest. And the Bible says that it came to pass as they went, they were cleansed. The miracle did not take place immediately. I want you to notice this. You see, miracles come in many different shapes, sizes, and forms. And we get ourselves in trouble when we try to put God in a box and try to ask Him for miracles in our parameters. Listen, His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Amen. There were times when God simply spoke the Word and a miracle transpired. There were times when He laid hands on the sick and immediately they were healed. But in this particular message, He didn't address the leprosy. He didn't address the sickness. He didn't address the condition. He looked at them. He saw that they were lepers. And He said, go show yourselves to the priest. That was just one problem. At this point in time, they weren't healed. They still had leprosy. They still had the condition of leprosy. And if they had gone to the priest in that condition, he would have still called them unclean and sent them right back to the place where they were. But notice what the Bible says. Jesus looked at them. He saw them. said, go show yourself to the priest. And the Bible says it came to pass as they went. As they went, that they were cleansed. The miracle took place after they acted in obedience and in response to the command of God. I mean, there's sometimes God immediately speaks the word. And, and, and immediately we're healed. I believe in divine healing. I believe God is still able to speak the word, but then there's other times. 
Amen. If we want to receive a miracle, we've got to act in faith and in obedience to the command of God. The Bible says for to obey is better than to sacrifice. Listen, some miracles in our life requires obedience on our part. It requires faith in response to the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. They heard the command of God. They heard what Christ said. Go show yourself to the priest. Even though they were not healed, by faith they took off walking. Even though they had not seen the answer as of yet. Even though in the flesh they, they might have had doubts in their mind. Jesus told them to click their heels and walk and go to the priest. So they put faith in the Word of God. Unquestioning faith in the Word of God. And said, if He told me to walk, bless God, I'm walking. Amen. If He told me to go, show myself to the priest. Amen. I'm going to give this Jesus a try. And as they went, they were cleansed. The Bible said the same thing transpired with the blind man at the pool of Siloam. They come to Jesus blind. Jesus spit in the ground, made spittle in the dust, made clay and rubbed on his eyes and said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. I want you to notice the miracle did not come when Jesus laid hands on him. The miracle didn't come when Jesus spit in the dirt. The miracle didn't come when Jesus made the clay and rubbed it on his eyes. It was not until he obeyed the voice of God that he went and washed in the pool of Siloam that he was able to see. Listen, some miracles from God requires faith and obedience in our part. Amen. Some come instantaneously miraculous. That's the gift of God. But I can tell you the miracle of salvation, it only comes when we walk in obedience to the command. Oh, hallelujah of almighty God. It takes faith and responding in faith to be born again. It's not until we apply the Word of God that we can receive the miracle of salvation. You can know it all day long. You can speak it all day long. The same way that I can know the adventures of Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn. I can read the words, but those words have no power in my life. The Bible's the same exact way. You can own a Bible. You can open the Bible. You can read the Bible. You can speak the Bible. But until you live out the Bible, it's then and only then that the Word of God has power in our lives. Amen. This miracle required responding in faith and in obedience to the spoken Word of God. You can say not every miracle requires obedience and you're right. But I can tell you no miracle makes room for disobedience. You will receive far more miracles from God by being obedient than you do from being hard-headed and disobedient. Amen. So as we look at this, we see the miracle. We see how the miracle transpired. But now let's look at the response of the miracle. The response of the nine. 90% of these men, men, when they saw that they were cleansed. They saw that a miracle had transpired. They felt different. They felt the, the healing power of God. They did what the law of God commanded them to do. Technically, that was the right thing to do. For them to continue on and to go show themselves to the priest. Because in the book of Leviticus, there is a 31 verse purification process that had to take place for any leper that was showing himself to the priest. It was the law of God for them to go and show themselves to the priest and probably for these nine men. They were thinking, the sooner I can get this over with, the sooner that I can get the priest to sign off on my release form, I get to go back to my wife. I get to go back to my children. I get to go back and hold my grandkids. I get to, to go back and, to my job and get to go back to my house. It might have been weeks. It might have been months. It might have been years since they had, had uh, been able to be at home. We don't know. 
their exact situation, but uh, I, I know that's probably what I would do. Uh, as soon as I can get this over with, as soon as I can get the priest to sign off on it, uh, amen, the better and the, the, the quicker that I can get back to loving uh, my, my family and being back home, nine of these men were so consumed uh, with the next step in the process uh, that they failed to show uh, a faithful heart. Uh, oh, they failed uh, to go back to Christ and give Him the honor that is due. How many times as Christians uh, are we guilty of the same exact thing? Uh, when we pray and we seek God for an answer uh, and He gives us the answer and then we are immediately thinking uh, about the next step, uh, about the next problem, uh, about the next obstacle, about the next task. Uh, and all that we're doing is uh, thinking about what uh, we've got to do and thinking about what's uh, what's uh, forthcoming that we fail to give Him the praise. Uh, oh God, the honor and the glory that he's due. Listen, when we ask God for something uh, and he gives it to us and we go on about our daily lives uh, and we don't give him thanks, uh, there is no difference between us uh, and the nine lepers uh, that just went about their way and failed uh, to give God praise. Uh, failed to give uh, uh, Christ the honor that was due his name. Uh, that failed to display uh, a thankful heart. Uh, folks, we must never get so calloused uh, and so conditioned to receiving miracles from God that we fail to give Him the proper praise. When God does something big in your life, He deserves big praise. When God does something little in your life, He still deserves big praise. Amen. If we, in the natural, if we have kids, children, they come to us and all they say is, Daddy, I want this. You give it to them. Daddy, I want this. And you give it to them. Daddy, I want this. And it's just something more and more and all the time. And every time you see them, you know that they're just about to ask you for something else. You want to know what we call that? I'll give you the microphone let you preach a while. Spoiled. Brat. what they are. Gimme, 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 gimme. How many Christians are guilty of the same exact thing? Oh, I could preach a while right here. As Christians, we think we are entitled to the blessings of God. Now make no mistake about it, the blessings, the mercies of God are renewed every morning with the rising of the sun. God gives abundant blessings. Daily, He loads us with benefits. Listen, but there comes a point in time where God wants to know, do you love me or do you love the benefits? Do you love me or do you love what I can do for you? Amen. There's no difference in a Christian that's become entitled. Uh, amen. To think God owes them something. Uh, than a, a spoiled child that any time uh, you see them coming to you, they know, you know that they just want something. Uh, even as Americans, uh, we are entitled. Hello. Yes, America is the most God-blessed nation uh, under the sun. Uh, amen. But God does not owe you something because, uh, amen, just because you live uh, in the country that you live. I know I'm off on a rabbit trail right here, but I was talking uh, uh, to uh, two brothers last night at prayer meeting. I heard a preacher say this. Uh, and when he said it, I, I wanted to fall out with him, Brother Dan. I, I didn't like it. Because I'm a patriotic American. I don't know how I got off on this. But he made the statement. He said at the end of the day, there is no difference between capitalism and communism. Now that, my ears perked up when I heard it. And I, I wanted to fall out with him because I've been in common countries. And I don't like communism. But he said, and I went on to listen to what he had to say. He said, in a communist system, government is God. In a capitalist system, money is God. And he said, for a Christian, God should be God. He said, at the end of the day, 
capitalism and communism, it will have the same exact result. It will take their followers' eyes off of God to where they either think the government owes them something, amen, or the economy owes them something. The dollar becomes their God or the government becomes their God. Oh, hallelujah. When we look at it in those lens, amen, we even as patriotic Americans that love our country, we think that we're entitled to something. Amen, you're entitled to student loan reduction. Amen, you're entitled to health care. You're entitled to this. You're entitled to that. Listen, we're not entitled to anything. Amen. We've let that mentality grip our hearts. Amen, if we're not careful, it's going to destroy us. Amen, God is going to be God and every blessing that He allows us to have, we ought to give Him thanks for it. Every blessing in our life, it doesn't come from capitalism. It doesn't come from communism or the government. But every good, the Bible says, and every perfect gift, it comes from above. It comes from God. If there's a blessing in your life, you need to praise God for it. Don't be like the 90%, the nine lepers that just went about their way to do the process. Amen. There's no difference in that than a brat. Amen. But be one that has a thankful heart. Be one that's willing. Amen. To lay your life down before the Lord and say, I just want to thank you. I just want to praise you. You're the source of every good thing in my life. And you've done big things. You deserve big praise. We see the response of the nine. Let's look at the response of the one. I've never seen this before until I preached these verses years ago. But the Bible said one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. He bucked the trend. He bucked the system. He had a thankful heart. He fell down on his face at his feet giving him thanks. And here's a very important detail in this story. And he was a Samaritan. If you know anything about the Bible, Samaritans were mixed breeds. Dogs. They were viewed as second class, third class, fourth class citizens. They were not of the, the, the lineage of Abraham, these were mixed breeds. Jews that intermarried with pagan nations all around them. And these were the, the, the product, the offspring of that. And this man that deserved grace the least, he valued it the most. All the other, now the Bible doesn't say that they were all Jews. But quite possibly they were. All of these thought that they were entitled to a blessing, to a miracle. Because they were the sons of Abraham. But here's a man that's a dog. That knows he's not of royal seed. That knows that he's not of a strong religious heritage. A man that deserved grace the least. When he experienced the mercy and the grace of God. He valued it the most. He glorified God with a loud voice. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I praise you. I worship you. Thank you, Lord, for doing that. He wasn't afraid. He didn't whisper it. Jesus, thank you for giving me a miracle. Thank you for healing me of leprosy. He lifted up his voice and glorified him with a loud voice. And he fell down at his feet and began to worship him. He began to worship the Lord. The Samaritan had no right. Amen. But he sure valued the grace of God. Amen. Notice the act of 
thanksgiving. And notice uh, the act of the thankful heart. Uh, it involved his voice. Uh, with a loud voice, he glorified God. Uh, when God does something for us, uh, we should be quick uh, to tell him thanks. Uh, we should be quick uh, to say thank you. Uh, listen, God created you with a unique voice. Uh, there is nobody else on the planet Earth uh, that has your fingerprint uh, or has your voice. You were unique in the eyes of God. And with your voice, amen, when, when you give God praise, you were giving Him praise that nobody else can offer, that nobody else can give. Nobody else has your voice. Some may talk similar, but nobody talks exactly like you. And when God does something, He wants to hear your voice. He wants to open up your mouth and Oh, hallelujah. God didn't give you this mouth to gossip or run anybody down. God didn't give you a voice. I mean, to just talk about politics and government. God gave you a voice so that you could talk to Him and He can hear your voice. He created you in His image. Amen. He has ears. The Bible says that His hand is not slack. Amen. Neither or His hand is not short. Neither is His ear slack. Amen. Where He cannot hear and He cannot read. God wants you to open up your mouth and glorify Him and say thank you Lord for your blessings. Thank you for what you've done. It's your breath in my lungs. I pour out my praise upon you for you are worthy to be exalted. You're worthy to be worshipped. You're worthy of my hallelujahs and my, my highest praise. I pour my love out on you. Is thanksgiving involved? His voice. When God does something good in your life, He wants to hear you talk. Yeah. Tell Him thank you. You give Him a thanks that nobody else on planet earth can give Him. Secondly, use your voice not to just tell God what He's done in your life, but to tell other people what God has done in your life. Woman in John chapter number 4. Worst of the worst. Been married five times. man she's living with now and even her husband. Coming to draw well at 12, water from the well at 12 noon when nobody else would be there. Commoners would either go at 6 in the morning or 6 in the evening. Early in the morning, late in the evening when it was cool. Cooler in that Middle Eastern heat. This woman comes to the well at 12 o'clock. She got more than water at the well. She found living water at the well. And the Bible says that she left her water pot. Ran through the town saying, come see a man. Which told me everything that I've done. Is this not the Christ? And many you read it for yourself in the Word of God. Many believed on Christ because of her testimony. They didn't believe on Him when Lazarus was raised. They didn't believe on Him when He opened blinded eyes. He healed the lepers and touched the deaf ears. But when they saw the effects of salvation of this woman, they said there must be a God. When her mouth was no longer issuing out cursings, and her words were no longer issuing out threats. But her words was issuing out praise and glory unto Christ for what He's done. They knew that there was a God in heaven. Hallelujah. And it should be the same exact thing in us. When God gives us blessings and when we experience the gift of salvation, we should not only tell Him thanks for what He's done, but we should tell other people what God has done in us to come see a man that told me whatsoever I did this not the Christ. Amen. And so many people can experience the joy, the peace, and the love that you have. God's given you a mouth. Open it up to glorify Him. And open it up to tell other people about the goodness and the glory of God. Not only did He open His mouth and glorified God. But this praise and worship, it involved his whole being. Every fiber of his being 
The Bible said he fell down at his feet and gave him thanks. You see, true worship involves more than our lips. True worship involves more than what we say. But true worship involves every fiber of your being. It's Paul that wrote Romans chapter number 12. said, I beseech you that if you want to know what true worship looks like, Romans 12 verse 1 is it. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove that which is the good, the acceptable, the perfect will of God. Paul said, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. It should be more than about thanksgiving. It should be thanks living. Living a life of worship. This man bowed down at his feet in reverence and holy awe. That is a symbol of saying, I surrender. I give you all that I am. When a, uh, somebody would be a, a prisoner of war or be conquered in war, they would come down and they would bow themselves before the king. The conquering king is a sign of uh, obeisance, is a sign of humility, is a sign of, uh, of, of lordship to where you're now my Lord. I give myself unto you. I'm your subject. You're my king. That is the, the picture of what that means. Uh, when we bow down before God, it represents the same exact thing. Uh, when we say, Lord, I'm not my own, uh, but I surrender everything that I am to you. Uh, I give you the lordship of my life. Uh, amen. You're the head. Uh, amen. You give the orders. Uh, it's not about me anymore. Uh, it's not about my life, but Lord, I give all that I am to you. I glorify you with my lips. Oh, but I glorify you with my life. That is what true worship is. That is what true praise, having a thankful heart, really is. Look at the fruits of this man giving thanks. When he returned back and he gave God thanks, God gave him abundantly and above what he gave the others. Because the others, Brother Eddie preached this many years ago and it stuck with me and I've never forgotten it. I did some study and some commentaries and a lot of commentaries agree. These nine lepers, they were healed, meaning the disease of leprosy was stopped. They may have still had missing fingers and missing ears and, and their nose may be gone, their face may have been disfigured. Everybody would have been able to look at him and say that this man was one time a leper. But they were able to beat leprosy. It was no longer spreading. It was no longer contagious. They were healed of leprosy. That's what the miracle that the nine received. But this man, the Bible says that he was made whole. Meaning, when leprosy had bitten off and eaten off a finger, that finger grew back. When that ear that was missing and the, uh, the nose that was missing, the face that was defigured, uh, uh, disfigured when, uh, when Jesus got done and made him whole, the ear grew back, the nose grew back. Uh, and when he walked through town, uh, they never knew he had leprosy. Uh, oh, hallelujah. They looked at him uh, and could not even tell uh, the effects. Uh, amen. Christ uh, and Christ alone uh, was the only thing that can bring about completeness and wholeness in our life. Uh, amen. We can try uh, uh, many different things to try to uh, better ourselves. Uh, Amen. But Christ and Christ alone is able to bring about completeness and wholeness in your life. Amen. Sin may have eaten away at your life to where the best years of your life is gone. But can I tell you, when you encounter this Christ, He's able to remove all the evidence. Oh, hallelujah. He's able to make whole and make complete only He. And He alone can do it. Amen. That is the byproduct of a thankful heart. Thankful heart. Giving Him thanks. Cursing, if you'll come help me, I'm done. Closing. Psalms 107 tells us why we should give 
him thanks. Preaching on a thankful heart. It's all encompassing. There's many different things here to preach, but I'm going to wrap it up and close it here. Psalms 107, we preached here the latter portion of these verses a couple of Wednesday nights ago on what to do when you're at wit's end. Well, in 107 verse 1, David wrote and said, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. He's saying be a praiser. Be a worshiper. Notice, none of that has anything to do with you or me. He's not saying give thanks unto the Lord because He's done something good in your life. He says give thanks unto the Lord for He's good. He's worthy of worship whether you're good or not. He's worthy of worship whether everything is kosher in your life or not. Give thanks unto the Lord for His mercy endures forever. I don't care whether you're in this house and a ranked sinner or whether you've been saved for 55 years. You all can lift up your hands and say thank God for mercy. It's God's mercy that we're not consumed. It's God's mercy and God's grace that we're not in hellfire today. Oh, but He has extended unto us mercy and we ought to give God thanks. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for His goodness. For his wonderful works unto the children of man. First portion of the scripture, he says, Give God thanks for who he is. Second portion, he says, Give God thanks for what he's done. Give him thanks for what he's done. Oh, the men that would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of man. He talks about how he delivered them from trouble when they cried, how he sent his word and it healed them. And He delivered them from destructions. How He let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare His works with rejoicing. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt Him also in the congregation of the people and praise Him in the assembly of the elders. Tonight, God wants your praise. If you're here and you're not saved, there's no night like tonight to get born again. To say I'm tired of running it. You may be the, the, at the first state of these lepers. Leprosy is going to kill them. Sin is going to kill you. You need to be born again. You need to have an encounter with this man called Jesus Christ. If you're here and you're not saved, God's got your number tonight and He's led you to this place where He can extend unto you mercy and grace. And you can experience what we're preaching about tonight. Completeness, soundness, wholeness that only He can give. But if you hear and you are born again, He deserves your praise. To never get God so calloused, so entitled that we feel like God owes us something. But if we're born again, if you've got breath in your lungs, that breath originated with Him. He breathed unto Adam and gave man life. He breathed unto him the breath of life. That breath that you have right now is God-given. In Him we live, we move, and we have our being. And if you've got breath in your lungs, He's worthy of your praise. We're going to open up these altars tonight. If you're here and you're not saved, run to this altar tonight. Give your heart and your life to God. What He did in those two leper, or ten lepers physically, amen, He can do for you tonight spiritually. He can save your heart. You can leave your change by the power of the glorious gospel. Come on quick and saints while they're coming. I want you to come. Amen. I want you to come. And I want you to lift up your hands and thank Him and praise Him. Amen for everything that He's done. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness. For He is good and His mercy endures forever. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His wonderful acts to the children of men. Amen. Let this be a thanksgiving. Let this be Amen. A, a time of worship where we praise Him, we magnify Him, we lift Him up because He's deserving. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. 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 We worship You, Lord.